Welcome back to The Gooch, episode 31. Welcome back. We've done this 31 times. A yeah. little, little bit more, but Plus 31 officially. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we uh, just had Remembrance Day, just had... Uh, American know, Thanksgiving. American Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, the next big one now. Finally, it's uh, it's not considered overtly obnoxious to start putting up Christmas stuff. Oh, no, no. If you no. put up Christmas stuff before this, I hate you. I'm no. guessing Evan will still hate you if you yeah. currently this, put December it up. 1st. That's, there you go. that's yeah. the day. You can, you can pull open the box. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I walked into Winners November 12th. Christmas music. Yeah. What the fuck? That doesn't surprise just, me. Just like that. Like, as soon as Remembrance Day is done, everyone's full force. Yeah. No. Had to get out of there. I mean, in yeah. fairness, with with shipping delays and stuff, with all like that, you probably should think of Christmas early. Like the dudes who are like the December twenty third, twenty fourth buyers, you're you're really fucked. You're gonna have to year. go to a mall. <laughs> oh my god! The malls might not even have anything. <laughs> like everything is gonna be so short supplied. Like it, it's it's interesting to see how all this is gonna. You know, it's it's always interesting what the media wants to put forward. And, uh, like, we were talking about this last week about China telling its citizens to stockpile shit. Uh, did you know that last month alone there were 10, uh, really undocumented, like, massive explosions all over China? No. No. That's that's not on the main news, but, uh, there's there's a lot of articles about it if you you look for it. Okay. And, you know, it's kind of like a lot of these bombs are going off in manufacturing sectors in China as well. Do you know for sure they're bombs? Mm-hmm. Well, they, like, they, they've got video and they're massive explosions. And the Chinese government's like, oh, old lead pipe. Oh, bad <laughs> gas leak, you know? <laughs> but 10 in a month? Like, I mean, if that's... they were all built around the same time, they could have the same fail time. But yeah, it seems like a lot of coincidence. Yeah. I, 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 it's... I mean, I don't know how that's related to their food supply, but like well, it, to it, potentially it, to like intentionally The food supply is destroy... very tangible to the supply of everything. I mean, if you can't manufacture goods, we're such a globalized economy right now, then you're not going to have the capital to buy the things that you need to eat or vice versa. But as a communist country, they're the like it's one thing in a in a purely like a or in a more straightforward capitalist environment where the insurance companies are separate from the government, where it would make sense to attack things like that in order to make savings. There's no savings to be had for China there. Oh, like I, I don't think that this these possible attacks have really anything to do with you know the business side of things. I think it could be the, the, the Uyghur community. Uh, you know, fighting back against their complete and utter annihilation. It could be people fighting for Taiwan. It's just there's there's yeah, a lot the of mystery. Yeah, the is controlled, though, yeah. Yeah, I see what you there's mean There's a that. lot of Fair mystery. Enough. And, you know, like, if if these attacks are happening there, you know, and we're not really hearing about them here, I mean, well, that's why you tune into this. We tell you the good shit. Well, I'm, I'm honestly more concerned on our own soil about the, the growing concern of a uh, Cargill plant uh, walkout because there's a huge, huge chance of a strike right now because Cargill plant workers, Cargill, for people who don't know, is our meat supplier in most of Western Canada. Um, so the workers have been complaining about uh, their working conditions for well over a year now. Um, they are also the site of several massive COVID outbreaks. They've watched a lot of their coworkers die in the last year, uh, year and a half. Um, and nothing's really been changed. Nothing's really been improved. And the, these companies are still making record profits. Like this isn't anything that's that, that's impacting their bottom line and they're doing nothing. So I think a strike is warranted, but that's really going to hurt 
uh, Albertans in the short term. And it sucks because in the online community, you see the comments actions seem, tend to, to fall either way. They they get pissed off at the employees. Like, why are you guys going to hurt us like this? But I mean, at this like, there's a lot of things there. There's a lot of fractures right now in in uh, the armor that that capitalism calls our supply chain system. And well, it's just it's, it's been so um, reduced. You yeah. know, like it, it's. It's one thing to have a very efficient supply chain system, but you know you also have to look at the efficiency of that supply chain system and its pitfalls. And one of the big pitfalls of the way we get our produce, mainly meat, is it is complete cruelty towards the animals. Yep. It is complete cruelty towards most of the workers. Uh, I'm saying most of because the guys doing the boardroom meetings going all over Canada and what they call the the ranch barons, you know, yeah. they, they're fine, you know, yeah, <laughs> they're not hurting at all. But no. the workers that are producing these <clears throat> products that most of us use, I, I, I completely agree they should go on strike. And this yeah. would be the time to do it right before the winter. I mean, their their, their skills yeah. are fucking hugely undervalued well yeah and 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 it's such it's a necessity area too right like this is our food supply this Mm -hmm. is something that we talked about last episode is the importance of the food supply and how we have 20 percent of canadians who are going to be uh really insecure about where their next meals are coming from uh for the coming future and there's there's two sides to it right there's ways of reducing the amount of waste we have which we we mentioned last time is uh you know over a trillion uh uh tons uh i think it was i don't know it was a billion tons of food every year that uh or it was either a billion tons or a billion, a billion pounds that's a huge difference though <laughs> a huge difference i'm just not going to say the number it was a lot of food we wasted a lot of food last year um roughly one third of the food we produced and uh we've got to be better at that and that kind of ties into what I was talking about off air um, because every failure of our supply chain can be linked back to the unwillingness of a wealthy organization to spend more money to keep things going. They want to maintain their bottom line. The, the, Supply chains aren't breaking down because things can't be done. It's an unwillingness. Cargill could be changed just by the company actually uh, accepting some of the terms of the employer uh, employees, which are reasonable. We don't want to watch our coworkers die. I think that's a pretty reasonable one. We want fair. a little bit more money to make up for the fact that there's a stronger chance that one of us will die because you're not improving the the situation that we're working in. Mm-hmm. I think those are those are pretty basic fucking things. Um, when it comes to the shipping containers in China, yeah, China's gouging you for sure, but it's no different than what you guys do to us at the pumps every year. So fucking pay your bills. Pay the 30 Gs to keep the supply chain going. I know it's expensive for a single fucking sea uh, 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 can. But it doesn't matter, right? And that is roughly the going rate is between 20 and 30 Gs for a sea can empty Mm-mm. out of China, which is insane. Well, but, to get a shift from China? No, no, no. Just for the empty access of, uh, to a sea can from China. So then you fill it and still pay transportation. Uh, so there's well, a you lot. Can, you can buy sea cans used for like seven grand. Maybe, but you're not loading them on the coast of China. Mm. I, I mean, right now, that's at least the numbers I'm getting out of the hockey community, which is like the, the global players of uh, CCM, which I is owned by Adidas know. and I Bauer. Just, I just know that I'm on Marketplace a lot looking for shit, and yeah. sea cans come up a lot. Yeah, yeah I mean, maybe locally in Canada, locally, but then yeah. your transportation costs and then uh, docking costs in, in China, because the biggest value is not having one in Canada. It's mm-hmm. getting one in China and bringing shit over. 
that's where your value is, right? Well, and that's if it's the biggest thirty expense. grand over there and it's seven here, it might be cheaper to just buy them here, ship them to China. Maybe, but then they're who knows. I mean, all I'm saying is what I'm hearing from the companies that yeah. I work with. But I'm just I'm just pitching oh, totally. solutions. Oh, totally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I find what I'm I find interesting listening. is like regardless of what the solution would be, the solution comes from spending more yeah. money, and they all have this money to spend. It's not like any like. CCM is owned by Adidas. Adidas is the the number one global manufacturer of shoes. Like, there's nobody who really touches them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, they also have exclusive d- offers with pr- pretty much every single sports clothing uh, company there is. Mm. So, like most professional sports teams uh, uh, and organizations use Adidas jerseys. The entire NHL does, uh, for example. They they're just branded as CCM for the longest time. They're all owned by the same company, but at its core is this reluctance to uh not to to take a shot at your own bottom line from a corporate standpoint which impacts zero people in order to help actual people and this is why i found it very interesting because and why what i wanted to tie it into uh, when it comes to remembrance day and honoring the veterans and the people who have served is um i kind of mentioned this off air but i have a hard pro- hard time when i see boomers um, not wearing the poppy. I'm, I'm always fine with people acknowledging the, the sacrifices made, but I feel like that's such a token sacrifice. I feel like, you know, the, it's like the, the thoughts and prayers equivalent to, uh, to actually giving a fuck and doing something. Ooh, thoughts and um, yeah, like, Oh, thoughts and prayers for the people in Boston. Yeah. Like, Oh, you do nothing, but sure. Um, and I think that that's my biggest problem is, um, the people who died, the people we're honoring are, for the most part, people who died for future generations of people that they would never meet. There's no, there's no, they had no chance that they were ever going to meet them. They were dying for the ideal that future generations were going to have a better life than they were. And the people right now that are having these, like, I've seen so many boomers talking about making the link between Remembrance Day and anti-vaccination uh, vaccination, uh, positions, including, like, oh, they're coming after our rights. This is what these people died for were our rights. And no, it's not. They sacrificed their lives for future generations. You won't sacrifice your comfort for the person standing next to you. You're a walking piece of shit. And I have a hard time when boomers are wearing these poppies, but they have fucking a vacation home or they're talking about, oh, my my fucking uh, second my second apartment that I'm renting out. This guy is going to be two days late on his uh, on his rent. You are the problem. You are the problem. And there's no other way around it. You can't honor the veterans. You're a slap in the face to them because they sacrifice for future generations. And you guys saw that and went, we're the future. Us alone were the future. And in this one fell swoop, you guys have destroyed the future that they were all sacrificing their lives for. You are digging up the graves. You're making your parents and grandparents roll in them. You're horrible. And again, this is not an individual thing. This is a generational thing. Because again, we need boomers and their peers to start paying their fair share. And it's it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a fight. But I, I have such a hard time when people do this on Remembrance Day. Um, I mean, I'm not, you, you know, Ev, I'm not, I'm not a huge military guy. I don't come from the milita- military background you have, but I can acknowledge and recognize the sacrifices that others made. But I can also, I think, look at it pretty logically and go, I mean, 
What's the point in wearing one now? Their sacrifices were for nothing when these assholes burned it all to the ground. Since boomers took power, we've had four recessions. Two in the 80s, two in the 2000s, four, four recessions. You guys are horrible economically. Just that there's, it's unequivocal. We have been in more uh, non-congressionally approved wars coming from the United States than ever before. The, the amount of cover-ups, deceit, uh, you replayed the 70s by fucking putting a, a, an actor into the presidency. You've destroyed your entire Supreme Court. Like, and, and in Canada, this, the, it's, not, it's not a huge difference. We're always about 10 to 15 years lagging behind because we follow their marketing and their propaganda. Hmm. And that lag is being caught up with. We're starting to see it in the UK, Australia. Australia. You, you look at that for what it is is it's a selfless act of sacrifice and you could tie that back to the first world war you could tie that back to the boer war you could tie that to the second world war vietnam korea the war on terror essentially the the way i kind of look at things when it comes to wearing a poppy and showing your support it's not a matter of what generation you're a part of it's a matter of understanding that there are people out there that would do things and did things that most people wouldn't fathom. And you're completely right. I think that a lot of comfort of uh, the Second World War and the generation that followed. And they took basically this, basically this divine outlook to their life and what they could do to the planet. And they really focused mainly on making profit over all else. Yep. And obviously the science of psychology behind why the baby boomers specifically did that, I think boils down to a lot of education and teachings from even older generations. But just to blame a single generation for the failure that we're having on the planet now, I think is a little, I mean, it's warranted. I just think that... I I don't think that they caused it all, but I think that... The, there's a, a specific onus on the people who can do something to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like I find it disconcerting to know that there is no legal requirement for an officer to stop a crime in progress. Hmm. There's no legal requirement that forces them to it if they consider themselves to be in higher de- level of danger. But that's and and the reason why I make that connection is simply because we would assume then that to be the case, and it's just not the case. And we want to we I think our ideal world is when people have uh, a heightened level of responsibility. There is a should that's attached to it that you should use that level of responsibility to do something to act properly. And so when we see uh, countless individuals who literally in Vancouver step over homeless people to walk to their Porsche Cayenne that they just, you know, drop six figures on. It's, it's an embarrassment. I think it's an embarrassment to who they are as human beings because, and especially if they're wearing a poppy, in my opinion, because what you're doing, uh, and in the United States, like if you use Oregon as a good example, a very liberal left-wing state, um, the homelessness rate there is absolutely abysmal. Uh, When I was in Portland, it was, it was disgusting. But what was most disgusting is they're homeless differ largely from what we see in Canada. In Canada, there's a lot of addiction. And I'm not saying the addiction doesn't run rampant, but I think the addiction is more causal in Canada. What we see in the United States is 
roughly, I think it was a quarter to one fifth of their homeless population are former military. Hmm. Right. So it's also to, single families that live out of their cars. Yep. It's right? not people that really have drug dependencies. So yeah, it's not always going to be drug dependencies. Sometimes it's just bad luck, and and sometimes bad luck leads to drug dependencies. You know, I was watching but, this uh, documentary now that you bring that up just the other day about uh, the homeless uh, issues in the states, and I always kind of thought, well, why why would you want to try to live in a place that your average house is millions of dollars? I mean, like all these people that are homeless in California that are living out of their car. I'm just like, why don't you? literally drive to another state where it's cheaper to live, get a job there. And it, it, it did a really good job of explaining how that's just not possible. Well, yeah, that sometimes. isn't that the irony I mean, of capitalism you know? is that the wealthiest states are the most socialized, and but by virtue of being the most socialized, they're also the most expensive for people who can't afford the bare minimum. So yeah. if you can't afford the bare minimum, you can't go to a place that socializes most of its industry. Mm-hmm which is insane. It's such a backwards way of approaching it well, because I, I, socializing I, things was to make it so that people can't, yeah, don't I mean, have to I think the other basics. part of it is too, I mean, there was this guy, it was actually pretty, pretty chilling to watch. He was a sales manager at a dealership. He was living the life and all of a sudden he, his job was redundant. His wife wasn't working, had like fucking six kids and now they're living in a motel yeah. and just, he's yeah. like, well, I just got to get a job, get this money stacked, blah, blah, blah. But when you're, when you're not like your your monthly amount you need to make to make ends meet includes six children nowadays yeah forget it even, and you even, know the, the wife can't go get, is insane yeah the, the wife can't go get work because she's got to take care of the children yeah. uh you know and it's it's completely up to this guy and he's old and he's living in a state i think it was florida or somewhere close to disneyland so yeah, he's living in a state where it was super expensive to live, and he can't, he literally physically can't afford to move. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, that, that's, that, what do you do at that point? And, you, can't, you know, you can't do anything, you, you you're can't, stuck. You're fucked. And, like, I, I think a lot of the, uh, a lot of what I took away from that is the system's not fair. Yeah. And it never has been. But the other part of that is if you're making good money, and you're spending it as quick as you make it. It's no different than making no money at all. And you are only three chess moves away. Three chess moves away from if becoming entirely homeless. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. Yeah, if you're no, lucky. If, you're, if you're part of a minority group or you have a disability or, you know, you have you're certain single mother. habits. You're, you're, you're less moves away. Yeah. And I think the, the way we've marketed society now to push debt, to push consumerism, to push just buying shit that you don't fucking need and go into more debt for shit you don't fucking need isn't the way I think the logical people that created this capitalist system thought it would go. And uh, a lot of it is to do with what you talked about earlier, it's the goal for just profit over all else. And there needs yeah. to be some, some nugget of common good, because if you're not treating your employees with a life earning salary that you could support your own life with, I suppose, or, you know, if you're not allowing your employees to have benefits that will cover them in case they get sick, mm. you're treating them like equipment. And Especially I think when, people are just getting sick of fucking being treated like equipment. Yeah, of course. Right. And and I I brought this up last time about the labels and and whatnot, but I found it interesting because like in it's it's in a very American ideal. You go to Europe and uh and granted this is hearsay, I have I haven't 
unfortunately, I haven't had the pleasure of traveling Europe, but uh, through family and friends, my understanding is when you're talking to people, the question is like, oh, who are you? What do you like? What do you do? Like, what, what, do you, what are your interests? And in the States, it's always, what do you do? That's mm-hmm. who you are, mm-hmm. right? Your job, because they have to put you into a box. They have yeah. to go, what, no, I, sh- what shape do you fit? What tool are you? I know we talked about that before yeah. there. So, And uh, so I, find, I, f- I just find that interesting that like, it's, not, it's not shocking that people are revolting. They don't want to be treated like this. But further to that, and like linking to the Cargill, it's even worse when you're doing it on a product that's a necessity for the globe. Like We have a private corporation that is denying providing people basic amenities to ensure that them and their coworkers don't get sick and die, which would then in turn shatter our food supply system. And they're not doing it. Like they're choosing not to. That's in that, that to me is a death panel. Well, the, the, right the death there. panel was out That's, when they started saying, we're going to make more money sending these jobs to China. Totally. That, but that, that killed, one at least is enough mm-hmm. positions uh, removed right now. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, like, we now have enough calls for help coming from Cargill. If anybody dies, it's a murder charge on on the the company. Mm. The, these people are not they're not doing things properly, and we need to make sure. And it's not just Cargill. I'm just using them as a local example. But there are a lot of corporations that are willingly putting us, the people, through shit right now because they don't want to pay uh, a higher dollar right now. You know, I had a chat. I'm going to leave names out of this. I had a chat with uh, one of my friends who's a general manager at a dealership right now. And, uh, you know, he was kind of talking about the good old days, like, you know, a lot of old car guys kind of do this. Guys in his, I don't know, 60s, 50s, whatever. And uh, I don't work with him anymore. We were just kind of having a chat. Yeah. And uh, he was like, oh, yeah, man, back in like the 80s when I was selling, I was making like 12 grand a month. And I just, it was fucking crazy. We would do like weekends. We'd have like 20 guys working there. And I just kind of stopped him right there. I said, okay, so this was back in 1989, let's say. Yeah. Right. What do you think fucking $12,000 is going to be worth in today's money with inflation? Yeah. Right. Because not only are most of the salespeople on that team or on any team not making that money anymore, but... That twelve grand is worth twenty five thousand fucking dollars in twenty twenty one. You can't even make the twelve now. No, that's right? what I'm saying. But that's what and, I mean. Like, and it's just like, and, and and they start complaining about how our generation doesn't want to work. Our generation is lazy. Mm. Our generation is unproductive. We have no carrot. And our your generation stick is made enormous. twelve grand a month back in nineteen eighties. And the houses were fucking 50 grand to 100 grand. Where is yeah. that money now? You know, uh, fucking education. You could get a full degree for 10. Didn't need one, though. Didn't need one. You but just you walk could. in and be like, hey, I'm white and also like cocaine. Can I have six figures? Yes. Right? There you go. How easy was that? <laughs> like, the, the we're, we're laughing, but that's fucking how it was that's for a lot of white yeah. dudes, you know, especially. I, I, and it, and it, it upsets me because they could still do that. Yep. They could still pay their guys the equivalent of what they were paying them back then. Yep. But I think we've switched so much to, oh, you don't have to pay for that now. And, it, you know, I, I like I like my fancy watches, well, my timepieces. It used to be like the just, bosses just, just, would... Just give me a sec. I'll forget yeah, yeah, this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, you know, back yeah. in time, you could get, you know, a pre-owned Omega or Rolex or whatever, and you could go online and buy one and pray it was real and it'll show up at your house. Yeah. 
Now yeah. you can buy the same Rolex or Omega. It's almost three or four times the price for I don't know what reason. And you can finance it. Mm. You can finance it. You can finance your car for eight years. That's only going to last probably two or three, especially if it's electric. And you can finance your house for 30 years. And that's going to involve you having to not only pay that crazy amount of interest you're going to pay, but also keep the house operable. Also, the furnace lasts 15 years. The roof lasts 20 to 25. Mm -hmm. uh, Like the, the amount of things that you have to do to maintain it throughout that time. Like the financing goes beyond the life of the product. And that's a huge issue. Like you should not be able to pay for it longer than the product lasts. If it, if it's fine, if you can finance a car for eight years, the warranty has to be for eight years because that person is leveraged for eight years. Mm -hmm. They can't afford other things. That's what that financial calculation is good for three years, 60,000 kilometers, whichever comes first, right? Like that to me, if the bank, (laughs) if the bank is willing to say, like okay you have just barely enough money to afford this car we're gonna cover your fucking warranty then i think the bank is actually uh liable in that case because they're telling you you're financially capable of taking this on and they're lying to you and not telling you how to do it yeah but this is standard maintenance that uh, is outlined in any uh owner's manual that you're given when you buy the vehicle yeah, that's almost <laughs> like that the mean? South Park episode <laughs> that allows you to sign up for the human caterpillar if you didn't read the terms <laughs> yeah. of service. The human centipede. Or the, hu- or the human centipede, yeah. still not reading! Yeah. Like, I th- you can't just shove things into the terms, and ser- terms of service. That doesn't fucking work. Like, and, and that's legitimate. In contract yeah. law, You if you put something that... So there, it's called the standard form principle. There is standard form contracts are super efficient, so accordants don't want to review them all the time it's like okay this guy agrees to a and in turn we give him b mm-hmm. right like that's basic yeah. shit um but if you have in a standard form contract so like for example like a cell phone contract that like a forced circumcision is required on the 17th day of the fourth month that would be something that you would actually have to have somebody sign right next to acknowledging that it's new now it would be really fun because people are still stupid to have that in there and actually have them initial those zones and see if they'd read them because mm. that would make it a very fun test. Mm. But uh, yeah, right now, uh, basically you can't uh, in Canada, at least you can't, uh, you you can't you have to bring people's attention to things that are a little bit insane which is also why waving uh um like death death waivers in canada don't actually hold up unless the person who signs the agreement are uh legally knowledgeable like the only person who's been uh who lost the waiver case was someone um and it sucks i'm saying it with a little bit of a smirk but they became a quadriplegic uh because they skied out of bounds and they had signed a waiver exempting uh the mountain from any liability if they do it now the court found that that liability exemption didn't uh didn't hold up to anybody except for the person who was reading it and signed it was a fucking lawyer so so that was the reason why they were held accountable for it the person was not the mountain so the quadriplegic got nothing for it which sucks but it's a lesson to show that you have you you can't force people to to agree to things in hidden well, you also nuggets. can't force a lawyer to be a lawyer when he's wanting to go ski well you that, know but that's, like, that actually ties into how like i had mentioned before like at the, at the job that we had pre like we had met at uh the owner had uh offered me a salaried position there and the condition i had was that he had to change some of his marketing practices and that's that's a legitimate legal position i have to have because when you have a law degree you actually have a heightened position in in the court so 
I was just aware of that because like in a, in an instance in which um let's say a bait and switch ad was run and it was my customer and they get pissed off and they sue right so they'll bring me in they'll bring the owner in um they might even bring the ceo of of the company that, that we're selling for of the dealership's owner uh company right mm-hmm. um and what the court will do is try and find ca- the the liability connection there. Um, and two things will happen. One, I'm the closest to the end customer. And two, I'm also someone who has legal knowledge to understand and appreciate what is and is not uh, legally applicable in certain situations. So both the owner and the CEO would likely get off and I would be found liable, which is a unique position. Not a lot of people would be put in that position, but that's something that lawyers quite literally are held to a higher standard in public like if you're in an argument with a lawyer and he threatens you you can actually write him up to the bar and there's a strong chance he gets fined upwards of ten thousand dollars right because it's called conduct unbecoming right and um even threatening things you're legally allowed to do i'll sue you right there you're not allowed to threaten a lawsuit that's called intimidation you can actually write up a lawyer to the law society and have them fined for that no shit yeah so you can you could really fuck with lawyers if you wanted to because they actually have to have a certain level of conduct in public so film them if you know lawyers that fly that that fly off the handle on a regular basis film them and present them to their law society you can take them down quickly <laughs> there you go <laughs> oh, i'm being filmed right now here we go ah oh, good old blackmail uh, that's funny but yeah i know it's uh it's an interesting one but yeah kind of it sucks because we're talking about liability and we're talking about like people being accountable and it's just all every episode seems to come back to the fact that there's just a huge gap in accountability um it's been a couple episode trends yeah. yeah yeah it's it's a hard one to to get around when you realize that there's we have all these ideals. I think we've gotten to the point where we agree on a lot of our ideals, but you're like, how do you get them to go forward when there's no one pulling in the right direction? Right. Or there's so few people pulling in the right direction. Like how do we make that next move and, you know, just, uh, actually start making progress. And I don't know the answer to that. You know, I, I don't either. I think you were right when we first started talking before, we just kind of have to, let it fucking fail. Yeah. You know? Um, I think that... It'd be nice to see. I think that the uh, the light is definitely going to be at the end of the tunnel on this issue. Yeah. Uh, what really concerns me lately is just what we're flexing with China. Um, you know, China wants to be the big old panda bear and wants to basically take Taiwan back. And... I really don't think the USA is going to stop them. I, I really don't. I think the only people that are going to really stand up right now are the Australians. Yeah. And they understand that if the U.S. doesn't support them, there's not much they can do either. So it's th- this is something that's like super... You have to make... So whenever there's an existential threat being leveled, you have to <sighs> match it. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily on size, but on equal outcome, which means that to... We take back Mongolia. <laughs> that Mongolians. Um, <laughs> Take down my shitty wall. Oh man! But uh, yeah, it, it's we have to. I don't think that it's. I think we go after their ideology because they've adopted American ideology of capitalism. This is why they're not a war-bearing country. Like internally, they're more violent than they are externally, mm. right? Whereas the U.S. is violent in every direction. Um, but. I think that that means that what we can do is 
we can go this is the system that they're that they're interrupting this is the system that they're owning right now they're 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 dominating capitalism which is why i think you take an ideological shot at them you start ma- using the laws that you have nationally to force their hand in certain zones where you can control it like like i've mentioned before where we can control some of their plastic uh exports um or in a couple episodes ago where i mentioned the potential of being able to sue companies um or impose marketing fees on companies for their littering right Mm. this is this all ties back to china because they're the ones who mass producing them right and there, there would actually be a way yeah, that's like, a good idea. of linking it to marketing fees because you're, it's illegal. It's it's illegal dumping is one thing, but you can't always connect it to the company. But advertising, ad, that company is clearly advertising wherever those products are, right, or wherever those containers are. But yeah, yeah I think that it's tough to it's tough to figure out what the next step is. Mostly because I think that there's also a part of us, as much as we want to see it we want to see it crumble. We want to make sure that the right people are at the helm when it does. And so I have reservations about it all crumbling down. I don't know about you guys, but to me, it's, there's definitely a fear that if the wrong people are in control, when it goes down, things are only getting worse. Oh yeah. That's that's the only way it can go. I mean, it's going to go worse for a long time, but I don't know that long time is a necessity. That's the part where I'm, I'm, conflicted where i think that it could be relatively not so necessarily let's, quick let's, but let's play through a scenario i mean okay. how does this start you, you go ahead well we'll I, take turns like stratego <laughs> okay so like if if like we want to be the head of a country and see how it goes or uh yeah sure why not why not okay well, if I'm Canada, the first thing I do is I try to nationalize as many resources as I can. Like, we've already have most of our dairy and our wheat nationalized. It's been done pretty poorly, but um, I would nationalize our hemp industry and I would start exporting uh, plastics um, en masse. So I would actually create a domestic uh, plastic industry out of hemp products so that I could attack single-use products. Um and simultaneously impose advertising legislation connected to those products because yeah. I'm now controlling the manufacturing of them all. I can control whether or not that advertisement dies, like if the ink fades out at a certain time. Um, so anybody, any company that refuses to a- adhere to it will actually not be getting punished for it, but will have a new anti-green legislation applied to okay. them. Okay, but let me so, ask so you this. I mean, how f- are we going to implement this when inflation's like 5 6% right now? Where are we going to get the money for this? Uh, I mean, you do what you always do, which is just borrow more. At the end of the day, there's not really... Like, what are you borrowing against? You go into more debt in order to cre- create money. It's... Mm-hmm. It's just kind of what it is. There's no real good way of not doing it, right? Yeah, but this whole system of fiat currency and debt currency needs to go. Well, no, but here's the thing is, like, you take inefficient industries in which we pay more than what we get out. So, like, our legal industry is the most obvious one, in my yeah. opinion. Like, we like only only roughly 45% of Canadians can access the legal industry, which mm-hmm. means it's it doesn't deserve to stand up anymore. It's mm-hmm. too expensive to operate because it's a necessity. Like, we quite literally, if you can't afford to go to court you don't have rights because the only way you can enforce rights that are negative is to go to court. So you don't have rights. You have presumption of rights, but if anybody decides that they're just going to take them from you, you can't fight back. You can't do anything. Mm. And that's what, that's the reality in a pay-to-play system. I've actually been thinking about how I could draft uh, um, an argument connecting it to age-based discrimination because discrimination is the flavor of the, of the last few years in courts and they're a lot more open to those arguments where... Uh, 
our ability to enforce our rights is uh, completely hindered by the fact that it costs an amount of money that you need to stockpile over years in order to be able to afford to do, making it an age-based discrimination case. Hmm. You have to be ex oh. like minimum age in order to be able to enforce your rights because you can't uh, accumulate enough wealth in order to do so ahead of uh, prior to that time. Hmm. Okay. So I was wondering if there'd be a way around that. It would be a very convoluted case, though. But I mean, at the end of the day, what what my ideal would be would be to nationalize a lot of the industries so that you can. I'm hoping have enough strong evidence initially that you make a sales pitch to the United States to do the same, and we then share that idea we don't compete with each other but rather we compete together against china because china's like a huge connection to greenhouse gas emissions are our drilling and fracking yeah, but I think and that, our shipping of oil is mm. all going to be plastic production right like if we yeah. reduce plastic production china loses a massive amount of it and we're also taking a huge value shot at like we have like things that we've already nationalized are our garbage pickup, our recycling programs, things like that are already paid by our tax dollars, but they're now wasted and inefficient because mm. the plastic is unrecyclable. And so if we were to create that more holistic system that's internal, it actually saves dollars at multiple steps along the way. We're not shipping over the ocean. So now we're not dumping as much anymore. We're not as reliant on China anymore. Yeah, I think that a lot of these solutions are great. I just think they're too long term for what, what time we have left. I, I think that uh, the next moves are going to be uh, not great. Do you think and we have like months, years, or decades? Um, I'm still I think inflation is going to hit 10% by uh, the end of January. I think we're well on track for that. I think the yeah. only way the government's going to be able to hedge that is to raise inflation. It was in the uh, 20s rates. and the 80s, though. So, I mean, it's not like that's going to be the end of the world necessarily. Well, no, but when you combine that with the pandemic that we're in, with the shortages that we have, and the flexing that China's doing... I mean, it, it raises a lot of questions. But I, I think mean, that's why you have to go, you have to lean on national, the national importance side of things more than anything. But because, everything is so globalized. But the shortages are not. The shortages are localized. The people that are like, so the shortages are, A, they're, they're false. They don't actually exist. The product exists. The, the shortage is in the supply, right? It's the getting product from, from place A well, to place B. Well, there are B. shortages in the microprocessor field. Yeah, sorry, in, in some vehicles and, and whatnot. But that's, that, the, that's ex external to necessity. Is it a necessity for the working aspect of it? For sure, in a lot of places. But the food is always going to be core and central to number one thing. So, I understand, but you also got to say that when you stop manufacturing a literal part that goes into most technology now, it's going to affect the entire supply chain top to bottom. Yep. And not only do we have that, we have this mass exodus of workers that don't want to work because they're getting paid like shit. Yeah. And you amalgamate all that with the fact we had a rather dry year and we're going to have a food shortage. I mean, this this isn't this isn't going to be something that's going to be great. I think, like I said, once the inflation hits that 10% mark, I think by the end of January, uh, governments are going to have to really assess what they're doing. Because at that point, you can see in any history, uh, any point in history, when inflation hits 10%, it generally goes up incrementally from there. Yeah. Fast. And then your currency is worthless, and you go into hyperinflation. And then generally a revolution happens. That's that's just how it is historically. Um, the other option is a little worse. Uh, they start raising interest rates, not realizing that they're going to literally put people on the streets doing this. 
uh, because all these people that purchase homes at 1.7 or 1.2% with 5% down, because you're an idiot, when the rates go up or you're on a variable rate, even worse, you're not going to be able to afford your mortgage. And the, the, the government will do anything to help renters in this pandemic. They did next to fuck all to help people that own houses. You say that all the time, but that's just not the case. They mm. they did delay it. And yeah, your, tra- your credit score didn't get to get maintained. Neither did the renters. So it didn't really matter. Yeah, but like the, 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 at the end of the day, it they, was a lot better to be a renter in this situation. It than was, it was not. To be a renters homeowner. were already worse off. How? Like because, but just by fi- financial so position, they were they already worse off. If they raise the interest rates and homes lose their value because no one can afford to live in them, and you bought a house, not only are you on the hook for all that debt that's now worthless. Yeah. You have you you literally can't do anything to suspend your payments. So you're going to lose 150k if you bought a three hundred thousand dollar house if they raise the rates to where they should be. Yeah, potentially. I mean, you 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 have no you risk took, if you rent. That's not entire. You have the risk of homelessness every month. There's enough supply of houses. Not there's enough supply of rent. Not in a lot of places. In Vancouver, for instance, they have people that are getting offers thirty, forty, fifty percent above asking, well, and a lot of the time fair. they're getting that ahead of time. Right? Like Vancouver, Toronto, like we're is almost nothing, yeah. right? And the, so the supply is is almost non-existent. So I mean homeowners have to like yeah it sucks that you made an investment that you didn't win on but you made an investment like i'm in the same position as you are like we made mm-hmm. investments at the end of the day if if it doesn't pan out then that sucks but i'm not i'm not blaming any uh, anyone other than the climate that i that i decided to buy into right mm-hmm. like they I think that that's... I just... No, but you can't just say it is what it is. That. I'm, not saying, I mean, I'm not saying it is what it is. This is going to be something that, that's like, going to happen on a national level, and people but, are going to lose a lot of money because of 100%, this. 100%. But, but, but to, we, are, we were a higher level status than the renters in terms of financial status, which means that... Like when I, we, I, but, I think back in time you could say that. I think a lot of logical people rent nowadays. Now, yes, well, there well, are yeah, shortages but, but in houses in some areas, but you you also forego the risk of exactly what's going to happen. This but what I'm saying correction. is, like when you're saying that that they did nothing for homeowners, they needed to do less for homeowners because they were at lower risk of becoming homeless. Like their their risk of of losing everything and becoming non-contributing members of society was significantly lower just by virtue of having more money and having a higher financial status in the economy. Like, I think that we had a lower risk than renters did. I, uh, I disagree, but that's, uh, that, that's how so though, like we, because have- you could literally, you could have lived the last two years, not paid a cent in rent and there's not fucking anything they could do about it. You're you, now going to no have, way you could you're going to have a blackball attached to your name. So no, if you live they, in they Vancouver, can't, they Toronto, can't do that either. Yeah, they, they can. can't, they can't do that either. They were legally not allowed to blackball your credit during this not pandemic. Not blackball your credit, but blackball your name. So anytime that uh, you need a referral of where you've been living for the last couple of years, it's not like these things are like you do your oh, due diligence when you're renting sure, to people. I mean, like, if, so if again, you, like we're going to go rent from someone that's going to do a background check that's always going to be a risk but there's also people that desperately need the money because they can't afford their fucking mortgage then sell the second be- house because if you're renting a house you own another one sell it who's going to buy it oh well then what we have is a market Wall Street? issue well, i don't know maybe that's where all the houses are going right now okay well then they're still being sold it means you can sell it well no but, this but is, you want to hold other on to your investment coin. and you want it to profit without any sign as to why and without any effort as to make it do so hmm. they, they, these people have a second house and they're trying to profit off of it that's hmm. on you mm-hmm. that's on you like like you got to you tried to profit off of a necessity like if nestle can no longer extract water from canada tomorrow 
I will never shed a tear. So who should Go profit fuck off yourself. of people living in homes? I don't think anybody should profit off of people living in homes. Okay. I've, I've mentioned it before. Like private property, like Bo Burnham says it great, but private property is inherently theft. Because where'd you get it from? Exactly. Mm. Like at the end of the day, if you just re- reduce it to nothing, like re- reduce it back to history, you stole it. That's all it was. You, you, if the land was everybody by de- everybody's by default, and you woke up one day and said, "No, this one hundred by one hundred feet square is mine," and that was just like what what happened. You just you were bigger and stronger, and so you could tell people to get the fuck off. Mm. And eventually, people were like, "Well, I guess I can't access that great raspberry bush on that one hundred by one hundred, right?" Mm. I mean, but it, it was all arbitrary. So. When it comes to necessities, pre-capitalism, we need like people that people looked after each other but because you, they lived in smaller you, communes. We, we, because you're, we are arguing kind of what's going to happen if the collapse happens. Well, I'm I'm arguing, and I'm saying that you know, private property should always exist, uh, but it, it, and not only because who's going to own everything then? Well, here's here's the beauty of it: is we own our government. Right now, kind of. It would be nice to to have a little bit more evidence. We own our government. It doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like that at all. (laughs) Because we don't. Well, we have the ability to take it back. The United States a little bit less so. In in what time frame? Like, we have to wait till the next election, don't we? (sighs) I mean... We can't just dial porn, sure. But, like... Other than, like... I mean, nothing's going to happen on the provincial level. Like, I'm thinking on a... Like, you need federal power in order to actually uh, affect any kind of... like but, you know, change. the guy that's been through four or five ethics investigations that nothing happened with um, is running the country pretty much as he wants without a well, budget. Party is. With a, he has a literal budget now. thief for a uh, finance director, d- vice president or whatever the fuck they call her. And I, I don't I Are don't talking see. talking about Freeland? Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't see this system holding up because we can't just continue to print money and this is why i asked you at the onset where, where are we going to get the money to do all these wonderful things well i mean the obvious answer is you tax the fucking corporations that's the first answer then they leave to where to where barbados or some non-tax place fine they don't get to ever film here or operate here again they're hostile territory like if you if you i think if you leave in response to a tax being imposed, that's an act of war. Okay. okay. Because what I you're like doing, this. Yeah. Like, what you're doing is saying that you're attacking the people. You're attacking the common good while you want to exploit them. I can no longer uh, drive slave ships through, through this country. Fuck off. Okay. Well, then that's an act of war. You don't want to be a part of the, the solution. Then you're a part of the problem. Hmm. I think that we have to be a little bit more abrupt with how we treat corporations. They're not people. They don't deserve empathy. We need to be able to just wipe them the fuck out. Mm. So where would it go from a housing standpoint, in my opinion, the ideal form and, and how we could do it immediately. You expropriate the, the power of, uh, of uh, mortgages from individual banks and you put them all in the hands of the bank of Canada and the Canadian government, making it so that all private property in Canada is now owned in theory, at least by can- by Canadians uh, and held, and this is the important part because we don't trust our government, held in trust by the government, which means that they would actually have the Supreme Court, which is separate from the, the government, imp- imposing the the requirements of a trust agreement. And a trust agreement means that you actually have to make all decisions that are best for the trust. How much does it cost to get a court hearing at the Supreme Court level? Quarter million dollars. Okay, so if, uh, if we give it all to the Supreme Court and there's a substantial issue 
of, you know, indecency, let's say, and most times indecency goes hand in hand with poverty, how are those people going to go to the Supreme Court to talk they, about the they issues? Can't. Of they never property? could, but we well, can that's... never access our rights anyways. Hmm. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, like 45%, like the, the, where I get the number 45% is through family law contacts. So, um, roughly 55% of, of family law litigants are unrepresented. Hmm. And the reason why I logically conclude that that means only 45% can get served is because in, in my opinion, at least, if your house, your children, and your livelihood are all on the line, it's it, the only thing preventing you from getting advice would be money. Hmm. Like, what? There, there, it means some people might have an enormous ego and go, I got this shit. But that would be, it has to be a small percentage. It has to be. Like, when you're, if you're about to lose your child, your home, or your fucking career in family law, which is what family law is, uh, court's all about, mm-hmm. like, you would want representation and they're, they're like over half of the population doesn't get it. And it can't, I can't believe that that's because they don't want it. Right. It has to be because they can't afford it. So that's where I get that percentage from. And so the system's already underserved. Mm-hmm. Our people already are going to be continue to be underserved by the legal system potentially, but the goal is actually to make it so that they don't, they have enough that they don't need to access it. Right. Like that's the goal. Hmm. Like we have, we have section seven in the in our charter gives us the right to life, liberty. Uh, um, uh, what was it? Life, liberty, and uh, fuck me, love. I used to. It's definitely not love. love. Oh, but yeah. either way, the it's the freedom of person. Um, something along those lines. But uh, anyways, life doesn't mean any necessities attached to life, the way that the courts have decided it. But that can be changed, right? Hmm. That's that's the beauty of the common law is that you can change that and you can actually have, you can have parliament making an indication that you want that to be changed in order to create like the Canadian law is built off of what a principle called the growing tree. And so every single law is a branch that just grows and branches deeper and deeper until you get this evolution, this giant, beautiful tree that creates things. So it was all, and I like the, the original laws were all considered bare bones or the, or the stump and everything that's come off of that and grown. But the goal is that it evolves and it serves more people and provides more shade and protection for more people, the more it grows. That's the goal of the law in Canada. That's, that's as it stated when it was originally written. And so we just take that principle and we put it in the fucking fast track. Well, it depends how you feed the tree, but sure. I, I, yeah, I guess. We just don't I want mean, to market it, for if, clear if cutting. If it's a tree like that like, gets filled on, you know, it's like, I need human blood. Well, <laughs> let's not live under that tree. You know, and I think the big issue right uh, now... I mean, I don't right know how now, many vampire trees there are. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it's 40, 70% of our body's water, so I don't know, maybe you could. But at the end of the day, I just, uh, the way, or why I said that is because it's, 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 it's totally fine if it's a perfect system to say I want to live under this great tree. But I think the tree that we're living under now is running on human guts and waste and totally but that's not to a what very it was... inefficient level and i i think that you know as, as much as we like to sit here and say well we could change this and do this i i also look at the fact that no one's trying and yeah it, 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 it's inherently dangerous right now mm-hmm. to just assume that everything's going to be provided for you by anybody i it's, i think that, i don't think anything's gonna get provided like so i'll be i'll be pretty like I'm, i haven't been clear about this i don't think this is gonna happen this is yeah. what i wanted to have happen so yeah. like in terms of running the scenarios mm-hmm. that was 
my goal was to to create a scenario in which we could fast track everything. No, I absolutely and get agree. Off of I it. think we do need to be a lot more nationalistic in our approach uh, in these coming months. And I think it is the pro- the problem is the power is concentrated, and the the system has been designed to make sure that taking that power is not fun. Well, I think that the system also allows us to take that power. I just think that most people that can actually affect change that would be effective uh, tend to not be voted for because of marketing and because of cost of actually becoming mayor or cost of actually becoming MP or MLA. And I think uh, what we've kind of discussed in the past about a, a pool that you can fund and then all this money gets split equally among the, um, you know, constituents uh, running. Yeah. I think that that might be the way of the future. But I think that in a lot of ways, a lot of what we're saying is it, it would have been a great idea to implement probably in the 90s because we would have worked all the kinks out and it would have been fine now. Problem is, back in the 90s, we were pretty young and we weren't having these kind of thoughts and opinions. And the people that had control of the thoughts and opinions, like you've so elegantly put it, um, tended to only give a shit about themselves and what was in front of their fucking fat fingers. Yeah. So, and if it wasn't in the bank or something you could value with a dollar, it wasn't worth their time. And we're paying the consequences of those actions. I think that capitalism is great but you also need to have a long picture of the national environment that you live in you got to say okay well if i send all these jobs to china how are we going to support the economy with less labor with less people making money with less people actually doing things in and society also how fragile is the economy because Boom. without that labor we have a dependency because not only do we have that dependency but we're also printing money to keep people afloat nowadays yeah And these things don't work in capitalism. And that's why I'm saying, as you've also brought up in the past, the only way out of this might be to to spend and just hope no one's looking. But eventually what's going to occur, and it has already began, is the fact that this money is not going to be worth what it was worth yesterday, what it was worth last year. If you didn't get a 10% pay raise this year, you have effectively lost money because of inflation. Yeah. And not only is that inflation more expensive for goods, but it's also more expensive for your taxes. I just, I just want to point out, though, let's change the way that the, the, the phrasing is, because I think it's important to point out. You didn't lose money. Your company is now devaluing your labor year over year. They're not increasing the value of your labor in conjunction with the the uh, cost of everything around you. True story. Meaning that it's the company that's devaluing you. This is not the banks doing this. This they because the companies are all charging more for stuff. Where's that more coming uh, coming from or going? Right, yeah. it's going to their bottom lines. Yeah. So they're going to feed their fat mouths first which means that you got to point the finger at them, which is why it takes so long to get shit done because the marketing machine of the companies tells you to point it's your finger government. at the government and the government has four <laughs> years to fucking do things every time. Yeah. It's not them. It's the companies. Well, not really four years because if you count the time they have to take to actually market their Yeah, it's you know, about a year and a half, two years. Yeah, because it's like as soon as you get elected, you have a little bit of time. It's that hangover period. Oh, Trump really fucked this up. Trump really fucked that up. This is probably one You're of the worst Trump's governments. You're using Trump's voice to, to slander and 
hire him. I don't think he would ever do that. Well, I, but, you know, who knows? Uh, but I really fucked this you, up. You, you kind of look at it and you say, okay, uh, that's all got to get fixed. And then a year in, that's probably when things start to happen. But after that year ends, oh, now all of a sudden you have two years left. Yeah. Really, you only have a year left because your last well, yeah, year's it's like pandering. The, fir- the first year is like, okay, let me learn about what the situation is. The second year is like, okay, let's start doing stuff. And then yeah. day one in year three, yeah. your opposition goes, what has this fucker done? Yeah. What has this fucker done? Yeah. And you're like, well, wait, I, I no. have seven year plans. <laughs> they were all just implemented a few months ago. Like, what do you mean? What have I done? Like, you're right. Not a lot yet, but it's yeah. coming. I probably, but then by the time it comes, it's three years into the next fucker's term. But, I don't then, know, but that's the problem with it all. But when you look at the company, when you point your finger at the company and then you get pissed off and walk out, it becomes a national news story of a labor shortage. Yep. This is what we need. We need to keep looking at the companies. You need to keep walking out. You need to stop feeding the system. It sucks. It sucks to do it. And I don't want to, tell people to walk away from your job in the winter and leave yourself fucking starving and cold but if you have the ability to leave a job that is abusive and hurting other people then fucking leave and go online and leave those reviews to warn people about their futures give people the heads up like we if the government is is supposed to be the voice of the people that stands up for us and we recognize that it's not happening we have to use our other means social media brings our voices together so we can then Make our voices heard as the people in another way. Because if the government doesn't want to rep us, fine. Get the fuck out of our way. You're only a few thousand people. There's 38 million of us here in Canada. We can stomp you with less than 5%. 5% of us decide to get violent and the fucking country is fucked. So we need to make sure that A, those 5% are are on the right side of things. And mm-hmm. B, ideally, they're not even fucking engaged. It would be nice to just not have to threaten these powerful people to do the right thing and stop pu- putting their, their profits above all else. But if it comes to that, what I'm why I'm more optimistic, I feel, is that there's a, a huge population of people, like a general number of people who are going to be have-nots. It's not a small portion. It's not just the homeless people. We're talking the entire middle class is at, at risk right now. And that that's a loud voice, especially when you realize that the because of the way that government has constantly been cu- cutting corporate taxes, the government's entire breath, their, their whole heartbeat rests on middle class expenses. If we don't spend into the system the government dies because they haven't been collecting money from the corporations it's not so much that if we fraudulently increase the amount we don't disclose to the government by 10 percent, the system stops it will so if, definitely if, slow because they're gonna have to find a new way no that's right? the thing and like it, it, they've put so much of the buck on the middle class. Yeah. And you can quickly see, especially in some states, especially with the homeless rates, that the middle class is getting absorbed by the lower class. Yeah. By being literally homeless or living in your car. And like I was saying, you know, you're only three chess moves away from that happening to you. Think about it. Yeah. I like take a minute and say, what will happen today if I lost my job? Could you get another one? How quick? What do you need to invest to get the job? How far do you need to go? Do you need a car now? Do you need Is that job even going to be an improvement? And is it going to be relevant by the time that you get it? Because not only are you going to lose your job, most people that you're working with probably will too. And that means that you're competing against all the people that you know and have worked with for your whole life for a job to feed your family. So think about it. Are you ready 
to literally have no income because that's the way things are going. I, I hate to say it. If this shortage keeps up, we're not going to be able to keep the shock stelve, uh, the st- the, st- the yes. shelves stocked. We're not going to be able to. <laughs> Good old shock stelves. We're not going to be able to, uh, you know, have any real common decency for the yeah. fact that people are starving. And essentially what happens to the lower class in that situation, they starve and die. And when people are faced with survive and die versus fight for food, they tend to fight for food. And then when they get enough food, they fight for more things. So do you think we'll get help from the Germans? I, I hope they have another ad. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, I, I, I just, I don't think that this plays out really well at all because China has essentially put itself in a situation where it has most of the manufacturing on the planet, most of the wealth on the planet. Uh, yeah. I mean, sure. There's a few house building projects that are going tits up that are backed by wall street. Uh, you can read about all that, but on the global scale, this is the thing that is rolling towards us as fast as a freight train. And most people don't want to talk about it. It's the fact that this pandemic really fucked our economy and we're in a point of weakness now. We're disjointed because instead of having an actual conversation about these issues, we're talking about left versus right. We're talking about Trump versus Biden. We're talking about black versus white. Did Michael Jackson do it? Jeffrey Epstein, did he hang himself? These things don't matter. What matters is the fact that your dollar is getting less valuable every day, less things are on the shelves every day, and... The people who are supposed to protect you are the reason for it. Boom. That's. I was just going to say that. The right. reason why... And the people that are supposed to be saving your ass... Are, the are literally the people that are lighting their pockets right now yeah and well i think you touched on it earlier but it didn't didn't really fully expand it but like so so you had mentioned like yeah la- like like historic history shows like this these labor shortages lead to revolutions well it's actually it's a it's a it's a mandatory precursor to a revolution that's yeah. that's what's happened in the french revolution and the industrial revolution uh in the american civil war all three slave revolutions right? in ancient rome including the one with spartacus yeah i mean like it always happens first with there's uh there's a, a pandemic of some sort a famine of some sort and a labor shortage of some sort causes a revolution mm-hmm. because because the pandemic uh, disproportionately hits the the lower and middle classes. The uh, then the famine disproportionately hits the the middle and lower classes. And the low, middle and lower classes look around and go, "We're the ones who produced the food. We're the ones who supplied the medicine. How the fuck are we the ones who are falling to the side on both of these facts?" So then we no longer provide our labor. That shortage then pisses off the wealthy. They become more violent, and then they realize that they don't have the numbers. Uh-huh. And this is the thing, like. If you reduce capitalism to its core, it's a guy with a hundred grapes and you've got, he's got 10 other people he's living with and they all need a grape to survive. And rather than giving them each 10 grapes so they can all have the same amount, he gives one guy 15 to fight the rest of them away. And it's fucking insane. Mm. And we need to stop this shit. And this is, that's, that's the police. The police are there to protect the wealthy from the people that are, that have not. So, one thing that will scare me is if we continuously see police budgets increase as our tax dollars aren't going as far. Well, you want to know something crazy. Um, just recently, there was a uh, post that made it on some Facebook pages. Uh, the Canadian government uh, ordered a whole bunch of uh, basically tear gas. Uh, and it was at an amount that would be a 10-year supply for the military for the training purposes. And you look at that amount and you kind of say, okay, well... 
why are we buying this shit? Hmm. Okay, well, probably because food isn't going to be as readily available, maybe. Um, maybe it's because cash might not be as readily available. How many banks in your neighborhood have you seen close? Yeah, none. Several. Really? Several. I've seen uh, no the, banks. The one closed. in St. Albert on the north side there, or the south side, I, I should say. I guess they pop out and then cash money's and those guys fucking jump in. Well, I, I don't know what happens. but interest rate people. I, I think that banks are really reducing the amount of footprint they have oh, okay, yeah. for several reasons. One, the staff and the labor and the land is expensive. But two, there's not cash anymore. No one uses cash anymore. Yeah. And it, this is such a vulnerable sector that society doesn't realize. If you don't have cash and electricity stops working, or they say cash only at certain places, you're fucked. But what are you going to do? You're going to go line up and try to sit in a line in minus 30 and your car is next to empty and you need cash to fill it up. You're done. Well, if you're we had that massive power, massive power outage we mentioned as a possibility, just mm -hmm. looking at the solar flares, that's exactly it, right? Like the it's day one of people like, ah, this sucks. And then day two is like, well, shit, I guess I should go get some cash because I can't pay for anything. Yeah. And everybody remember, uh, uh, thinks that way. So now and day two to day 25, you're now all in line at the bank. And then eventually the bank runs out of the cash because they leverage themselves 20, 30, fucking 40 times over the amount no, of money that they actually have. No, so then what do they do? People out. start getting angry. So what do the banks do? Rather than giving you the money, they spend the money on more security and police enforcement to prevent you from getting your money. Yeah, and they lock all the rest into gold and silver right. which is what they're doing right now yeah. jp morgan is buying industrial industrial levels of silver and gold yeah uh, they're not putting the money in the stock market they're not putting the money in land or they're not putting the money in anything but precious metals yeah and i think that if you were someone that was remotely intelligent and you've made a shitload of money in bitcoin and you still have your Bitcoin, get the fuck rid of it. Get rid of it now. It's not going up. It's not doing anything. Well, don't sell yet. To sell <laughs> everything now and then buy precious metals and land. Buy the two things that will literally set you apart if this reset happens. I think that if you look at just the, the trajectory of what's going to happen in the next five to ten years, uh, depending on the speed, which... I think if inflation hits the 10%, I'm going to say there's going to be a lot of crazy shit that happens in the next five years. Yep. Um, I think we're talking probably, uh, you know, global conflict of some sort. I think we're talking about massive famine and we all live in a place that's cold as fuck. So really no tactical interest in this place yep. other than our resources. Well, there's a tactical interest in the fact that it gives you... Uh proximal uh like the best proximity to the united states just like nobody was going to cuba during the cuban missile crisis because oh this is a great place for a lot of i mean it is pretty nice i'm not no. gonna lie cuba's awesome but it was it wasn't because it was uh you know beaches great uh, place for missiles <laughs> they're like this is where we need to be because of all of the great tequila yeah. like no no and that's uh that's that's entirely right i mean i don't know how it's going to happen i don't know it's going to be a boots on the ground thing, but I think like we've talked about a lot is that's not really necessary until the final stages. And yeah. I think we're going through stage two now. I mean, this pandemic's ripped us apart. Yeah. Now we're at each other's throats based on political beliefs that are total bullshit backed by marketing. And yeah. I think the sooner we can understand that, tear, tear the labels away and start looking at ways to maybe be more socially self-sufficient. Um, that's a weird way to put it, but the way I look at it is, your society can take care of itself 
Yeah. Meaning you have someone that can bake bread. You have someone that can, you know, fix a car. You have someone that yeah. can deliver shit. And it's not owned by a massive corporation and that profit's staying in the city. Like the university's job should be to um, study the economy and environment of the national, uh, on a national scale, and then provide seats to people at a percentage level to fill those gaps that they see coming. Like you need, you need forecasters at universities. They're not like that anymore, unfortunately, because they've made it so that high school is so regimented and horrible that there's no creativity and no freedom because the teachers are just teaching to a fucking standardized test that by the time the students get to college, they go, I'm, I'm paying for this. You're giving me what I want. Yeah. So we need to we need to break we need to break it down at the earlier stages, remove those standardized testing, start giving kids more freedom at their early ages so that the regimented side comes when they're adults because that's really what it needs. You give them the 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 time and freedom to explore who they are as people when they're younger, but when they're becoming a part of the system, it's it's on the system to say where the gaps are. It shouldn't be on the individual to go like, hmm, I wonder what I can like. Well, I, maybe you deliver all your degree and go work this. at Starbucks. <laughs> right? Like, like know, I mean, <laughs> it, like, yeah, sure, if organized crime expanded, then so many English history majors would be valuable because art history is a huge thing. Art is the is the, is the the fucking uh, uh, currency of the, uh, of the criminal, mm. right? Like, no, no criminal family transfers fucking digital currency. Why would they? They can sell uh, an obscure painting by an artist nobody's ever heard of for $14 million and no one bats an eye. So, like, why wouldn't they just do that? So all of these fucking uh, uh, arts history majors would finally have jobs if organized crime just expanded. So, (laughs) But but at the end of the day, I think it's on the university. They're making money off of this. Their profit has to go into R&D. R&D then, like, as a company, your job is to do research and development. And so you're researching and developing new classes in order to serve the country because you are a servant of the nation. Right? They're not researching and developing how to fix a no, country. No, of course they're not. They're I'm researching saying that's what and they developing should. how to fuck you out of your money. Of course. You know, you know, you know what's crazy? Fucking Facebook ads. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I it actually it actually terrifies me that I'll, I'll be looking at something or I'll mention something when my phone's on. And they say they're not recording. I don't believe it for a second. Because then all of a sudden, all your Facebook ads watches it's not all your facebook ads you know other shit that like and it, it, it's it not listening it's actually it's 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 both less and more sinister than that and that's and so terrifying I, so I, I looked into because because in it's law school we look into this yeah. right yeah it's actually it's it's the cookies on all of your websites that communicate together yeah. and then cr- uh, the algorithm that um combines it all and then spits out generalities yeah. and so what it does is goes okay well this uh um let's call you unit 27 on facebook so Sweet. unit 27 on facebook earlier on the same phone googled on a uh, on it on it on google where the cookies now talk to absolutely every aspect and every tab that you have yeah. open um watches and so that's going to then inform the algorithm that you're most likely vulnerable to watches and at what time that you were looking at it so it's going to pump out ads based off of that time sequence of what you were looking at also i find i've given when i give my uh, my phone to my wife if she looks up anything those ads start hitting my thing yeah. and then also they do pairing algorithms so all of the algorithms actually then share so we'll get ads based off of what you and uh, like all three of us actually search because we're all connected to the same wi-fi so yeah. we're a routine 
Wi-Fi pairing, and therefore the three of us will show a connection in the digital algorithm. But they don't have to listen. That's the beauty of it, is they don't have to listen. Yeah. They know because we give them all the information. No, it's just crazy. And then they can, you know, uh, see what makes your pupils dilate, what makes... Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, the what Calgary Mall, stressed? like, like <laughs> at Chinook Center, they have uh, facial recognition technology built into all of the cameras as you walk in. Oh, so good. it scans your face and then links it to your social media profile and then spits out, uh, gives their algorithm the idea of what to advertise to you as you're entering the mall on your phone. Uh, on your phone, anytime you connect to Wi-Fi, but also um, throughout the mall, the advertisements that are more prevalent based no off shit. of the people that are in the mall. Yeah. It was a wow. huge article in the Calgary Herald in like 2017 or 2018. That's impressive. Yeah. That's right? impressive. Yeah. But the fact that this is just at a at a mall. Yeah. Right? Like the yeah. people you're like the, it's just it's a level of privacy invasion that's insane. But I I, I want to I think we should probably put a bow on it just cuz we've kind of gone all over the place and I think that where it's going to go and where it ends up is still I don't want to sound like we don't have any power, but we really don't have a lot of power still as millennials. We no. we have social power in the sense that we understand how to use the tools that are available to us, which puts us slightly ahead of the boomers. But the boomers have the money to pay people who know how to use those tools. And the yeah. problem is, is at the end of the day, we're going to need a shitload of support from boomers. So if you want to wear that poppy with pride, and I'm not saying you shouldn't, but if if you want to wear that with pride... You need to look around at some people that you can lift up. I'm not talking about international aid. I'm talking about the guy next to you. you know I'm talking what? about your neighbors. If you if you have if you can look around and you have no concerns within the next six months, make a donation to the food bank. If you want to wear that poppy to say that you never want something to that extent to happen on this planet again, if yeah. you want to wear that poppy to say that you stood, you're standing, and you will continue to stand with the veterans and the the, the movement of freedom and the movement of peace you really have to assess who you're supporting in your daily interactions yeah because every interaction that you make if you're a decision maker that is dealing with a huge sum of money which most of these boomers are um you need to really assess are you helping your nation or are you helping a nation that is going to literally cause the third world war and then nothing matters? Yeah. Okay. So look at and assess the fact that you're wearing a poppy because people went and defended this country and the ability for you to do whatever the fuck you did for the last 60 to 70 years. And if all you have to show for it is some money in the bank, shame on you. Yeah. If you get no you, Christmas you, cards you, at Christmas. You're the reason the world sucks. The I'm game sorry. you were playing in was one that <laughs> largely didn't include women or minorities, and you still couldn't get ahead. That's how pathetic you are. Yep. So, but but on the flip side of that, there are a lot of people that want to do good in the boomer generation and like to consider themselves good people. And we talked about this last time, and then I want to finish with this. Put your money up this. and let us Ex run it. Shut exactly. the fuck up. If there's That's no such it. thing as a good person. There are people who do good things. And if you are refusing to do the right thing, you are refusing to be a good person. And I think on that note, uh, you guys have a wonderful weekend. And uh, make sure that you help out the guy next to you. Take care. Bye -bye.